life-defining moments where I thought I might lose her over this because, you know, how can I marry this girl who's so capable with her finances when I'm just such a mess? Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Pete Matthew. Pete, are you ready to rock? Absolutely, Andrew. Bring it on. <laughs> so Pete is a 21-year veteran financial planner based in Penzance in the far southwest of the UK. In 2010, he began shooting a series of short videos explaining how money works in simple, everyday language. This hobby became Meaningful Money, which is now the UK's biggest independent personal finance podcast with over 3 million, yes, we said million downloads, a YouTube channel, a book deal, and an online academy teaching people how to beat debt and build wealth. Pete is managing director of Jackson's Wealth Management, which can trace its roots back nearly 100 years in Penzance. He's married with two daughters, age 19 and 16, and a Jack Russell Terrier called Maisie. <laughs> what a life. Pete, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Is it telling, do you think, that I gave my dog a name but didn't say my daughter's or my wife's name <laughs> on that bio? <laughs> I wonder what that says about me. Well, the far southwest of England is a beautiful part of the world. I don't know whether any of your listeners watch Poldark. I don't know where, how far Poldark spreads across the world. It's a sort of period drama. It's massive in the UK, but it's based and filmed near where I live. So good, in fact, that I probably made about 50 grand extra when I sold the house quite close to where it was filmed because of that show. So <laughs> that, was a, that was a very good investment as it happens. I play piano and have done since I was seven years old. I play the drums as well. I think probably one thing that people need to know is that I'm a university dropout. So, you know, in common with uh, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, and not quite on their level, but I'm a university dropout because I chose entirely the wrong degree. I did an electronics degree and hated every second of it. I was talked into that by a careers advisory person when I was about 16, and it was easily the worst sort of vocational decision I've ever made. So I dropped out of um, university and went to work for McDonald's where I did a few years as management. And then I had a friend who got me a job in financial services. And it's just weird how life turns out, you know, but I'm very glad I got that job because this is now 21 years on and uh, this is the best job in the world. Bonds, not burgers. <laughs> Something like that. My best friend, Dale, who runs one of the businesses that we have in Thailand, a coffee business, he worked at McDonald's when he was young. And there's a lesson he'd learned from it, which was how that company designed the whole operating system to kind of yeah. the lowest common denominator to have a 16-year-old prepare the exact same hamburger anywhere in the world, basically. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty impressive for the rest of us. It's, yeah, company. I learned a great deal from that, particularly about people management. I have to say both staff, obviously as a business owner now, I have people who work for me. So both employees and the public, learning how to deal with all spectrum and the whole spectrum of public and, and staff was a great lesson I learned at McDonald's for sure. Mm, definitely. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Okay. When you invited me on, Andrew, I struggle with this question because as an investor, I've always been fairly 
vanilla. Okay, I subscribe to the index investing ethos. So I'm entirely passive, all that sort of stuff. So investing for me, I find pretty boring actually. And so opt for the you know pure index tracking approach. So I got to thinking about my sort of worst financial moment really in my life. And it wasn't strictly an investment, but I'll bring it around. As a background, I was raised by a church minister. Okay. And so I had lots of instruction around the dining room table about the Greek basis for English words, you know, New Testament Greek basis, and, and obviously lots of theological discussion. But whenever I asked about money growing up, like, how much did the new car cost, Dad? Or how much do you earn, Dad? The answer was always, without exception, that's none of your business, son. Right? So money was absolutely a taboo subject. I don't think that was, you know, there's any great agenda behind that by my parents. I just don't think they knew how to talk about it. And maybe that was something they picked up from their parents. So I grew up with absolutely zero financial training. And yet, I remember various sort of points in my teenage years where it was kind of assumed that I would know how to manage my money. I remember one Saturday morning, my mom said, right, we're going to go to the shops and we're going to buy you some new trainers, but we want you to contribute. And I was like, okay, but I don't have any money. <laughs> and mom was surprised that I didn't have any money, you know, whereas I was surprised, well, how am, am I supposed to know not to spend my money on sweets and stuff like that? So money was absolutely a taboo subject. And so I never knew how to engage with it. So fast forward a little bit. I have dropped out of university, only just though. And part of the reason I dropped out is because I wanted to get married. So I'd met my beautiful bride, Joanne, to whom I've been married now for 22 years. And so we were engaged and we were going on a weekend away with my brother and his wife. So we're driving up to this beautiful cottage up in the Welsh Valleys, just for a lovely chilled weekend away, a few months before we got married. And on the car journey, on the way up, Joe and I were talking and I was just filled with fear because I had zero money. In fact, I was worse than zero. I was at the bottom of what we call an overdraft. So I was overdrawn, negative in the bank. And eventually the conversation came around as to how we should pay for this weekend. And I had to admit to my fiance that I had no money and there is no way that I would be able to contribute anything. Now, bear in mind, we were driving there in her car that she had saved for because she had all the financial discipline that I didn't. And God, I mean, we pulled over and I was just weeping. It was one of those life defining moments where I thought I might lose her over this because, you know, how can I marry this girl who's so capable with her finances when I'm just such a mess? Student loans, but no degree to show for it, overdraft with the bank. And it was one of those life defining moments really and fortunately she stuck with me she paid for the weekend i eventually paid her back and she taught me then a great deal about how to manage personal finances day to day so my worst investment ever if you want to put it like that was a complete lack of investment in my own ability to cope with day-to-day -day finances i'm absolutely convinced that money is relatively easy for all of us to manage. But just as we're not born learning how to drive a car, you know, knowing how to drive a car, we need to be taught how to manage our finances at the most basic level. Yeah. Um, and so that was easily a life defining moment for me. So just thinking about what's my worst financial moment, that was it. Got it. And I've learned a lot since then. 
Well, it's a true bottom when you're weeping yeah. over your finances, basically sure. your situation. Yeah. And what lessons did you learn from this? So firstly, I definitely understood the humiliation of not being in control. So for me, just being, having circumstances, well, actually they were in my control. It was my own lack of control mm. right, that had got me to that point. And so I learned at that point that I needed to man up, basically, to stop being passive. I've long since understood through lots of sort of self-reflection as I've got older that I am, and I think we are our own worst enemies, that we can teach ourselves, we can talk to ourselves and tell ourselves incredible lies that if we took them from anybody else, we would be offended and we would probably start swinging our fists around if we're fellas, you know? So I, I think we, I told myself so many lies. Self-sabotage has been a real problem. Mm. And I see that in some other areas of my life potentially, but certainly financially, it was just a complete lack of willingness to take control. Easily, my number one word that I use on Meaningful Money, the podcast that I run, is that we should be intentional with our finances, that nothing good happens by mistake, right? You don't end up on the gold medal position on an Olympics podium, you know, just by falling out of bed the right way. It's years of training and nutrition and blood, sweat and tears. And anything good takes work and takes intention. And so easily my biggest lesson was I need to decide I'm going to do it and then follow through. Now, practically, of course, my good lady wife taught me the basics of setting and sticking to a budget. And for me, actually, the breakthrough for that was automation. And so the biggest lesson that I learned, so as never to ever be surprised by a bill again, you know, an unexpected bill through the post or car mm. repair or whatever, was firstly to have an emergency fund, but secondly, to use a two account approach to budgeting. It makes it completely automatic. So it's very simple. You get paid into one account. You know how many bills are going out of that uh, account on a monthly basis through direct debit or whatever. That's what, I don't know what you call that around the country, yep, but that's yep. where it gets taken out of your bank automatically. And you leave that amount in your bills account and then everything else you transfer to a spending account. So you simply have two accounts. And that was an absolute just watershed <laughs> moment for me, which you look back now and you think, well, that's so obvious. But unless we're taught this stuff, how are we expected to know it? And so for me, simply, these are just the raw basics mm. of financial management. And I hope that, you know, your audience, Andrew, isn't sort of patronized by this. But, you know, I've seen incredibly capable people in their career or they've raised an amazing family but are financially just a mess because they don't understand the, the basics. Mm, and so yep. I would love for people just to sort of get the message that really a few simple things done well and consistently can transform your finances and just be set on autopilot. So for me, those are the key lessons, really. Being intentional, being aware of self-sabotage, really. Those mm. are the things that Got I've it. learned. Got it. Well, let me summarize what I take away from it. There's a few things I was just thinking as you were talking, it's like money is like sex in some families. You don't talk about it, but how are you supposed to learn about it if you don't really know anything about it? And I know in my own family, it's not something we talked much about, but I do remember you know, that when my father got this particular financial planner in North Carolina, that my father brought me to the planner at a pretty young you know, age. And 
took me to meet the planner. So when my dad passed away, it was a smooth, you know, when it came to the financial aspect of that, you know, awful situation, it was a very smooth thing. And I think that when my father opened up about his finances in that way to me, you know, it was a big moment. And I'd say when I was young, they didn't, you know, necessarily talk about that. They did talk about budgeting and stuff. Mm. It also reminds me the your fiance and all that reminds me of a story in our family where my dad was studying hard and, you know, he was in the military for a short period of time and that's how he met my mom. And eventually he wanted to marry my mom and she was 20 at the time. And he asked to marry her. Asked, he said, he went down to see my mom's dad, my grandfather. And, you know, he asked the question, do you have a job? <laughs> he said, well, I'm going to get a job. And he said, yeah. good, go get a job. <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. But my, my mom also just recently told me another story where when they went to register their marriage or something that my dad had to borrow a dollar off of her father or something along those lines to get the marriage certificate for the one dollar. So he managed to pull himself out of that. So the, the, the money is like sex, that story about my family. The other thing that I was thinking about is the most common thing I hear a lot from young people is that I don't like finance. Yeah. And particularly like I teach a master's in finance or sorry, a master's in marketing program. And I teach a lot of people about finance and it's a, such a common thing and particularly prevalent with women, at least in Asia or at least in Thailand. And I try to tell them that, you know, today is the day that you've got to let that go because if you keep mm -hmm. saying that to yourself, you will actually cause self-sabotage. So for those people that are out there that say, I hate finance or other people around you say that to them, you know, to you, take a moment and stop and say, you know, let that go. As my dad used to say, we know your weakness. You don't have to tell the whole world. <laughs> sure. I think it's what, what, what financial control makes possible as well. That can be exciting. The freedom that comes from not constantly looking over your shoulder or worrying about the next bill that's going to come in, not living paycheck to paycheck. That's an incredibly liberating feeling and, and worth a little bit of time and investment into learning and practicing this stuff so that you get better at it. Yep. And the last thing for me is that, you know, you mentioned about that it doesn't have to be um, complicated and overwhelming. And I think that, you know, finances and managing your money really can be much more simple these days compared to, let's say, when I yes. was younger. And that's the reason why I wrote a book for my nieces called How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. Now, it's not anything about personal finance, but it's just like, how can you put the stock market to work for you in a very simple way? And the result of that is that when they turned 18, I helped them to open up their accounts. So all five of them had accounts at the age of 18 and I got them started. And that, that also, you know, now that, now that I've heard your story, it kind of makes me feel a little bit like another angle I didn't even think about was the idea that I may have broken a taboo or at least gotten them to say, this is what you do. And that was, yeah. you know, a good step. So yeah, that's a great start they'll have though. Yeah. yeah. It's it, what a great start. That's superb. Yeah. So that's it. All right. Well, listen, based on what you learn from this story and what you continue to learn in your life, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Thinking about, Maybe somebody that listened to this going, that's interesting because my family didn't talk about it and I wasn't, you know, what one thing would you recommend people do? 
Okay, well, the one thing I would recommend is to educate yourself. Okay, unfortunately, we live in a time where there is so much great information uh, out there. The problem is that the financial services industry, certainly that's true here in the UK, but I imagine it's a global thing, delights in complicating finance for its own ends. Because if it's complicated, you need an expert, right? Whereas I'm absolutely convinced, and bear in mind, I am a professional financial planner, so people pay me to help them with this stuff. I'm convinced that anybody can do it on their own. Personal finance comes down to three things primarily. Spend less than you earn. That's the first thing, right? It's the bedrock of it all. Insure against disaster because there is some stuff you can't control, like dying early or being unable to work due to ill health or whatever. So you can insure against that to make sure your finances are still okay in the long run. And then invest wisely. And that doesn't need to be complicated. There's lots of ways to skin the cat. There's no correct way to invest, lots of uh, equally effective ways. So find a way that works for you, but do it a step at a time. So educate yourself, learn this stuff. Don't accept ignorance or an upbringing which didn't talk about money as your fate in life, but decide and be intentional that you're going to turn it around and uh, begin learning and practicing this stuff. And uh, the future will be extremely bright and your future self will thank you. Beautiful, beautiful advice. Well, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, Andrew, I reckon there's lots of parallels between personal financial health and physical health. So one of my goals is to lose some weight. It's a bit of a perennial goal for me, but it's, I feel like I'm in a good place for that. But the same disciplines are required. You know, It's about being intentional, making sure you're thinking about what you put in your body and how much exercise you do. So the longer I do this job, the more parallels I draw between <laughs> physical Let's health. Let's see. And spend less health. than you make. Yeah, yeah. Eat so less eat than less you, you burn. use. Yeah. I think we can <laughs> yeah. map this out. I think you're very yeah, right. Exactly. That's great. So well, hopefully I'll take some of my own medicine, right? I believe you will. I saw you drinking water and we have maybe that in common. I drink a lot of water every day. Yeah, you do. That's an important part. And I just tell people about exercise to just figure out. For me, I just get out of bed and immediately exercise. Just get on my shoes and go. So fantastic. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Pete, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about <laughs> our losers and you really talked about some physical pain and emotional pain at that time. But our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Stay strong. Stay the course. It's totally worth it. And get other people involved. Talk to mm. people. Learn from others. Don't be a lone wolf. Got it. And I would also advise the audience to listen to Meaningful Money podcasts and let's learn everything we can from Pete because this story tells us that he speaks from true experience. So that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.